0: Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniels. She is broadcasting from home today and we are here with the entire About Mansfield news team. I appreciate you being here today as well. This is episode 34. And coming up on this episode, Mansfield news, sports and weather for the upcoming week.
1: And as always, we will conclude this episode with the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to Jake's Burgers and Beer.
0: Let's take a look at this week's headlines.
1: Superintendent to take medical leave of absence.
2: This week, the COVID-19 epidemic appears to have resumed its decreasing trend in Mansfield.
3: School offers help to students with learning differences like dyslexia, ADHD, and autism learn online. Major mixed-use development project is coming soon.
4: Mansfield Woman transforms nighttime
5: karate studio to daytime classroom in sports. has Kennedy Brooks played his last down for the University of Oklahoma football team, we talk to an OU beat writer who will give us his thoughts.
6: Got a crack problem with your mortar or your concrete? I'm home improvement specialist Terry Radswin, and I'll have a do-it-yourself fix for you in the Ask Terry segment. Alex
0: is here with the seven-day weather forecast, and we will talk in studio with Mansfield area musician Brad Thompson. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield.
7: Hey
1: Mansfield, did you know that cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can explain the differences and help guide you to your perfect CBD match. Wise Wellness carries a wide range of products, including oils, topicals, and edibles. For location and contact information, visit our website at wisewell.com. That's wise, W-Y-S-E, well.com.
6: Hi, this is John with PoolAid, your local pool care specialist. We here at PoolAid would like you to know that coronavirus cannot be transmitted in pool water, so it is safe to use your pool or spa, just not for a pool party. For now, let's keep the swimming to our family that live in your house. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the Internet at PoolAid.net. That's PoolAid.net. We're here for you. Hi, I'm Adam Larson,
0: operations manager at the Mansfield Star Center, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield.
1: Mansfield ISD superintendent, Dr. Kimberly Cantu, will be taking several weeks of medical leave after her doctor recommended she urgently proceed with the necessary surgery. To take over in her absence, the MISD school board approved Monday a contract with Dr. Deborah Cron to serve as acting superintendent. Dr. Cron is a lifelong educator who retired after serving for 10 years as superintendent for the Weatherford ISD. Since her retirement, she has served as interim superintendent for both Garland and Duncanville ISDs. Dr. Cron assumed the MISD position of acting superintendent on Tuesday, August 18th. Dr. Cantu's recovery time could take up to six weeks, but it is hopeful that she will resume working before that time.
0: The COVID-19 epidemic appears to be on the decline again in Mansfield. About Mansfield's roving science reporter,
2: Dennis Webb, has the story. Thanks, Steve. The spread of the virus appears to be on a decline this past week after reaching new heights the week before. One reminder, as a city in Tarrant County, we are all still under County Judge Glenn Whitley's executive order declaring a local public health disaster for the county until August 31st. We have not beaten the virus yet. On Monday, August 17th, Tarrant County reported 869 Mansfieldians as having tested positive, 661 are estimated to have recovered, and 18 citizens have died since the start. Of the 869 total cases, we had 94 new cases this past week, down from the previous week's record high, but still a lot of cases. We had one new COVID-19 death in Mansfield this past week, a number typical of most weeks since May, and down from the previous week's record high for the city since the start. On Monday, the county estimated there are 208 active cases in Mansfield, that is 208 fellow citizens who could pass the virus to another citizen if they aren't quarantining. This is down a good bit from the previous week's 262 active cases. As our overall weekly numbers are still large, it is likely that, that there are more than 208 people actively carrying the virus, and you do not want to meet them without both of you wearing a mask. We had four new cases in the part of Mansfield that is in Johnson County and one new case in the small part of Mansfield that is in Ellis County. This decline is a really good sign that our behavior is putting the brakes on the spread of the virus with the simple actions and it's working and we have to keep it up to get these numbers down near zero. In the words of our state and county leaders, when you're out and about, keep your distance from other people, wear a mask, wash your hands, avoid crowds, and if you're old or sick, stay home as much as you can. It is not time to let down our productive measures. You may have heard that the state of Texas amended the case counts for many counties as some tests by at least one of the national lab companies had not been properly reported in the past. It made the case numbers jump over the weekend. For instance, on Saturday, Tarrant County reported 1,443 new cases, the highest number the county has ever seen, and Mansfield also saw an unusually high number of daily new cases, 30, some of it probably from those newly discovered cases from previous weeks. Officials reported that it was a computer error. This is frustrating as it means our understanding of trends will be confused for a while. We can take some comfort in the fact that even with this addition of old cases, Mansfield numbers declined for the week. Unfortunately, it also means we feel less confident of the trend analysis over the last few weeks as it was missing a bunch of actual cases in the county and probably Mansfield. Everybody involved hates that this happened. And it may be tempting to throw our hands up and say, they can't get their act together, so why pay any attention? As a retired aerospace engineer and engineering manager, this reporting mistake feels very familiar. There is no such thing as a perfect numerical measurement of anything important. The more equipment, people, and organizations involved with it, the greater the likelihood an error has crept in. Whether it is the temperature of a rocket fuel tank, the count of open engineering problems with a spacecraft, cost reporting, or the number of active COVID cases in Mansfield. Also, new reporting systems usually have errors, and this reporting system is really new, unprecedented, and still evolving, though it appears to me that they're trying to get it right. When using a numerical value to make any decision, you try to get it from as close to the source, fewer intermediaries who can introduce errors, and understand a little bit about how that number gets to you. This is why I use numbers from Tarrant County, not the news or the third-party aggregators of the data, in my weekly report to you. The term computer error makes you think it was nobody's mistake, a completely misleading term, one we avoided in my career. People made the software and they interact with it daily to produce daily reports, and it appears a lot of human effort is going on to keep it working. While the official story is computer error, I expect County Judge Whitley had a tough chat with his staff that makes this report. Governor Abbott, or one of his senior aides, had the same tough chat with their reporting staff, and when the affected testing company found out it was their company's data that got lost, the tough chat happened there as well. As far as I can tell, everybody involved needs the numbers to be relatively accurate. Nobody benefits from inaccuracy. These would all be things that smart organizations normally do, not to find who to blame, but to figure out how it happened and keep it from happening again. I can visualize many possible root causes for this problem, a a personal habit of decades. I have been on the other side of this tough chat many times in my career. Maybe some of you have as well. I don't envy the decisions our elected public officials and public health professionals have to face in this situation. From watching the daily data, at least what I see, if anybody is manipulating the data to make the epidemic appear worse or better than it actually is, they are doing a terrible job of manipulation. Reporting from the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb.
0: One area school offers help to students with learning differences, such as dyslexia, ADHD, and autism with online learning. About Mansfield's Stacey Main files this report.
3: Key School is a private school specializing in educating students with learning differences, such as dyslexia. It is part of the Key Center for Learning Differences. Chad Meeks, Assistant Director of the Key School, is here to talk about some of the ups and downs his students are facing with online learning and offer some advice to parents who are struggling to meet their children's needs at home. Mr. Meeks, can you tell me a little bit about what the Key Center for Learning Differences does?
8: The Key Center for Learning Differences um, has three programs. Our mission at the center is to partner with educators, families, and students to provide resources needed to create a more informed community regarding learning differences. Um, Part of the key center for learning differences is Key School, which has been around um, and serving Tarrant County since 1966.
3: What do you see there? What is the Key School? What do we do there?
8: The school's beginning In 1966, then from Dr. John Richardson and Scottish Rite Children's Hospital, and um, now we provide services for many of the special needs and pediatric medical communities in T- Dallas-Fort Worth through effectively addressing learning differences. Um, at Key Schools, um, we equip students with all the resources and tools they need to succeed academically, emotionally, and socially. And then our educators, therapists, and administrators for all ages and grade levels work to build self- self-esteem and to teach skills to live a life of success.
3: So what are we talking about here? What are some of the obstacles in learning that your students um, who attend Key School have.
8: Every student that comes to Key School, um, we kind of, we basically individualize their schedules according to their needs. And so, the some of the population that we serve are students with dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, um, students with ADHD, and we also do serve um, students with um, that are on the autism spectrum.
3: And what kind of obstacles do you see when they're trying to learn that we might not see in somebody that does not have dyslexia?
8: Basically when it comes to to reading and and you know there are signs um, at a younger age and sometimes they are missed, but when it just comes to that decoding and reading um, for students with dyslexia, it it doesn't come as naturally. As it does with other students, and so um, you will see when it comes to students reading along with their peers that they're just not catching on um, to reading um, at the same pace that their peers do. Um, Dysgraphia, you know, a lot of times with the dis. calculia dysgraphia, they come along with students with dyslexia. And so a lot of times students will not just have um, one learning difference, but they struggle in several areas. So students with um, dysgraphia, they struggle with the writing piece, of uh, getting their thoughts down on paper. Um, dyscalculia students um, struggle with math work when, they're, when the, you know, their peers are finding success with the adding and subtracting and some of those just basic arithmetic facts. Students with dyscalculia, they, they struggle in that area.
3: And during a normal school, a normal quote-unquote school year, what are some of the accommodations that your school provides for these students in the classroom?
8: Just like at a, what a public school would do, there were testing. Uh, the public schools will take the testing and at assign accommodations from that. At key school, we will take what we know from the student's testing or what we know from that student and assign whatever accommodations that will help them be successful. So an example of that would be uh, students possibly just constant check for understanding of directions. Um, A lot of times material and their tasks are broken into small segments. One of the biggest accommodations that we'll give, um, especially for students that have ADHD as preferential seating, making sure that they are able to sit at that front of that class and to get as much help as they need. We take worksheets and uh, worksheets and divide them into small sections. Um, our students that are dyslexic or dysgraphic, they uh, will possibly be given word banks when it comes to test. Um, along that line, their, their tests may be given, uh, be given orally just to check for understanding and and not let that dysgraphic or dyslexic piece get in the way of us assessing what they've learned. Um, A lot of times the students will need extended time or um, to give them... Um, extra time as we wait for verbal responses. And at Key School, one of the biggest reasons we're successful is we do have a very small student to teacher ratio. So we are able to do that small group administration.
3: And at Key School, are are your students learning virtually right now like other schools?
8: So in the spring, when everything was locked down, we did learn virtually. Um, We had the students. In virtual classrooms, within a week of us closing down right after spring break, and so we we use Google Classroom and Google Meet, and the students were uh, able to meet with their teachers uh, virtually online. And so this year we are actually starting in person on September eighth. So we will have uh, students on campus learning in the classrooms. We did also we do also have a key core online for grades three through eight. And this will be, this was set available for families that were not comfortable sending their students back to public or private schools and they needed help with possibly how to do homeschool. So we set up our key core online, which will serve students grades three through eight in a small classroom setting online for four core subjects.
3: And what challenges are your students finding that already struggle with learning differences? What are some of the challenges that they're facing trying to learn online?
8: Most of our students, it's, it was the technology piece at first, learning what tools they can use to find success. At Key School, we are really big on finding what technology and what classroom tools we can use for each kid to kind of put in their toolbox of learning. And so when we went online with the Google Classroom, there were many, many Google extensions that can be added to help these students. And so I think that was one of the biggest challenges for our students is learning how to access and use these tools that could possibly help them. Um, For example, there there are extensions that kind of like Snap and Read. It's a reading tool that reads text aloud. And and so, especially with our dyslexic students, not letting that be a barrier to them learning that history or science lesson.
3: And some students may actually prefer or do better with online learning. What are some of the positive aspects that your kids have embraced or maybe even um, found easier to work online doing? I think
8: possibly more than anything, it was um, more of a the, the schedule. So when, you know, when you're in the, the some of our kids really enjoyed having that eight-hour day where they're at school and, you know, constantly learning. Some of our students, have enjoyed being home to where some of those lessons can be broken down a little bit more and they get a little bit more of those breaks, and they're at the comfort of their household. You know, we have some students at Key School that come to us strictly because of anxiety. And so, in this case, they're still able to learn and and see their friends and see their teachers, but not having to leave the comfort of their home, especially in these uncertain times.
3: So, we talked a little bit about the technology that's available for kids uh, and students What are some of your favorite programs and apps that you'd recommend to parents um, at home who um, are virtually learning? So
8: one of the biggest tools we use at Key School, and this would not just be for dyslexic students, but even younger students that are learning to read, is Learning Ally. It's the uh, world's largest audio textbook, and, and they have books of all ages. They even have textbooks online for these students. And so this is a great tool for parents to give their students if they, let's say they scheduled at home, they've scheduled a quiet time. You know, the student has already done some of their work and they want a quiet time. That's a great tool for them to be able to sit their kid in a, you know, somewhere comfortable and let them listen to whatever book they want to online. Some of our younger families or younger students they use learning A to Z um, it has hundreds of leveled reader selections for elementary students we have uh, our math and science curriculum STEM scopes um, it's used it has amazing lessons for all um, of those younger grade levels we also use IXL and it's been great you know they constantly are updating it to where it co- uh, coordinates with any state standards and so um, that's great it has social studies math and language arts um, capabilities on iXL. And that one will also serve um, almost all grade levels.
3: And what are parents doing to help their children learn at home? What What have you had, you know, to explain or teach to your parents that other parents can use at home with their kids learning?
8: One of the biggest things that that we have tried to share with our parents is to, to have grace um, with their child and themselves. You know, it's especially as we are all... Learning and then when they're at home these these parents are seeing and having to learn how their their child learns you know teachers that's what we do we 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 learn to learn each child and what Really helps that child learn. And so I think that's the biggest advice we have to the families is give yourself grace, have patience, and, and know that it's not going to, there's always be flexible, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Be flexible with how your child is learning. Be flexible with the schedule. You, you know that um, don't try to replicate specifically what may be happening um, at a public school. Be flexible in your own schedule with your child.
3: What accommodations are just too difficult for a school to provide to a student virtually? For instance, um, we heard that at Mansfield ISD, they were still trying to figure out how to teach Braille um, virtually. Um, That's just kind of a, you know, a large hypothetical out there. But what are some accommodations that you're finding uh, difficult
8: I'm going to be honest. Um, so far, when it comes to our our learning, we have not really struggled with any of the accommodations that we give to our students um, because the classes are so small. Um, I will say, possibly one of the biggest struggles is, you know, at, at Key School, if a student is having a rough day, they're able to to step out of the classroom and talk to one of their advocates and to kind of just see what's going on through that day. And I think that might have been one of the biggest challenges we had or will have this fall is when that child is having a bad day not being able to just, you know, have that – child step out of the classroom and talk to someone to find out what they need or or why they're struggling. And so I think that may be, and then it was one of the biggest struggles we had in, in the spring, and just being able to meet with that child. And then so it was just finding ways around that. So I would call the parent and schedule a, a private Google meet with that child, to just like I would if they were stepping out of the classroom, to be able to talk them through um, why they're having a rough day and how I can help them.
3: And we talked a little bit about... Um, what parents can do to help their children. Where are some of the free resources and advocacy that parents can get for their kids?
8: I think a great launching point would be for them to go to um, our website, the Keith Center for Learning Differences, or kcld.org. And when they go to this website, they will see that there are several places that they can go to look. You know, it has more information about Key School, but they can also navigate that website to find some of the free resources that we've put on our website and that has certain links and other information that they could follow that may help with their certain child's learning differences.
3: I was speaking with Chad Meeks, Assistant Director of Key School. Again, to access free resources, visit the Key Center for Learning Differences website at KCLD. Dot org. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Stacey Main. Construction crews have been prepping for Mansfield's latest
1: mixed-use project. The 77-acre development project is titled Watson Branch, which will be constructed at FM 157 at Mauser Way. Plans reportedly call for 10,000 square feet of retail and restaurant space, 250 single-family homes, an older adult apartment community, and a 10-acre public park. Road improvements have already begun on FM 157 between Mauser Way and Debbie Lane. The Watson Branch Project received final zoning approval back in September 2019 with a 5-2 to vote from the city council. Councilman Terry Moore and Mike Lehman voted against the project.
0: Many longtime Mansfield residents know about karate legend Troy Dorsey and his martial arts classes that run after school and into the evening hours. One Mansfield woman saw the opportunity with Dorsey's empty studio during the daytime hours and transformed it into a virtual learning classroom. About out Mansfield's Robbie Terry reports.
4: Teresa Ellington owner of Magnolia School for Personalized Learning, was looking for more space to teach her virtual learning students as she was running out of room in her home and struck a deal with Troy Dorsey Karate Studio on Main Street.
7: And I reached out to them, and they have the backspace of his studio, and they were looking for options for some of their students to do during the three and a half weeks. Their parents had reached out and said, Hey, we're both working parents. Are y'all going to offer anything during the day, a camp, or anything like that that our kids could go to to get their remote learning done? And they had thought about it but they're like, We're not teachers, we don't know if we want to do this and I was already doing this. I already had several students, um, but I was outgrowing my space at home. So it just kind of all came together and we met up and um it grew from there. So one parent signed up and when they realized we had a big space, they're like, Great, and they just told a friend and they told a friend.
4: And then Ellington received a nice donation.
7: Like school was getting rid of desks. So I just put out a call. I asked for if I could borrow some folding tables and chairs so I could measure out six feet. And they said, well, actually, we have some student desks. So I have actual school desks um, for every student. And we went and picked them up. And now here we are. We set them up. Then it looks like a school room.
8: Compared
4: to a school classroom, the student-to-facilitator ratio is very low.
7: I have seven full-time, one part-time. Part-time being just comes two days a week. So a total of eight a um, couple days a week and seven the other days. And I will cap it at 12. Um, at that point, I would need to have another adult.
4: Ellington said that she welcomes students from all grade levels.
7: we were open for grades 1 through 12. However, I'm full right now for grades 1 and 2, um, and then anything all the way up to grades 12.
4: The students don't necessarily have to be enrolled in MISD, as two of Ellington's students come from the Grand Prairie School District. Students are asked to bring a minimal amount of
7: gear with them. And so they just come with their device. They come with some headphones and a sack lunch. And then I provide them everything else, Um, even supplies and things like that. That way we don't have pencils and things going back and forth. They leave it here. We make sure and sanitize everything and... We have some good times.
4: Parents should be aware that Ellington's Magnolia School is not a daycare center, but a place for students to do virtual learning from the school they are enrolled in.
7: My students arrive at 7.45 and they get online by 8 and then it's staggered. Most of my students are done by 3.30 but I have a couple that go until 4, and so we just have staggered dismissal at that point, but we're pretty much done at 4 o'clock.
4: And the daily lesson plan isn't always about reading, writing, and arithmetic.
7: They are still enrolled with their public school. They are doing their public school work, but I'm here to help with their lessons because we all know that students don't necessarily pay attention on Teams or Zoom or however they're getting a virtual lesson, and they need some extra help. Or in the case of yesterday, I had a fifth grader whose lesson, his teacher was having technical difficulties, and it just cut out. And so he was not getting the lesson. So we just shut it off and I sat down and taught him instead. Um, this is my 15th year in education. I have a master's degree. I'm also a Google trainer. So I provide the tech support, which is a lot of the troubles and the woes of a lot of parents right now is making sure they're online. Um, and they're able to get what they need.
4: Ellington assures parents that if virtual learning extends past Labor Day, the Magnolia School will still be available.
7: Basically, we'll be here as long as we're needed. While a lot of these kids are here for the first three and a half weeks and we'll go in person as the plan after Labor Day, if we're needed after, we'll be here.
4: Teresa Ellington can be reached by phone or text at 469-224-7298. We will have a link to her website and Facebook page on our website aboutmansfield.com on the links page reporting for
0: about mansfield i'm robbie terry thank you robbie it's a bittersweet in the about mansfield newsroom today as our intern robbie terry who's been with us since march is leaving us to attend the university of north texas to study broadcasting robbie also handles the editing the mixing the mastering of the about mansfield podcast our loss is definitely unt's gain go mean green
5: Let's check sports. Here's Tommy Cummings. Kennedy Brooks might have played his last down for the University of Oklahoma football team. Kennedy was a standout running back for the Mansfield Tigers a few years ago. You probably remember him. But Kennedy took the OU coaches by surprise this past Sunday when he reportedly told them he was opting out of the 2020 season. Kennedy is a redshirt junior and he's rushed for over 2,000 yards his first two seasons. And it's not clear at this point what Kennedy's plans are. Tulsa World OU beat writer Eric Bailey talked about Kennedy's decision and what lies ahead.
9: I really think he has an NFL future in front of him. It was funny last year after the Peach Bowl, after the Sooners lost to LSU, you know, we started going to the locker room and started scoping out players, mainly seniors-to-be and uh, third-year juniors, asking them, are you going to go pro, or are you going to go pro? And Kennedy was one of those guys who was noncommittal committal right after the game, but then just a couple of days later, he announced that he was going to stay at Oklahoma. And uh, he had a great season last year. I mean, he you know he's a 2,000 yard rusher through two years and a lot of talent. And I know a lot of people were looking forward to seeing him play his junior season at Oklahoma. But he's a young man who I think can make money in the NFL, and I think that's kind of spurred his decision to go for or to. to uh, Opt out this season. A couple of things came into play. If you look across the country, uh, uh, around the college football world, a lot of players are starting to opt out. I mean, not a not a ton of players, but players that some of them have NFL futures. And I, I really think in Kennedy's case, this may be the best decision for him personally because you really don't know what kind of season Oklahoma is going to have. Are they going to have a ten game season? Are they going to have a five game season? Or even just a two game season? You just don't know. And you know, it's just a risk thing. Why risk? maybe your future on getting injured for a two-game season, when you have you know maybe an NFL season coming up in 2021, so I think that played part of it. And another thing too is Oklahoma has had three players go down with injuries in fall camp. After in the first week of fall camp, they had three players go down, and I think when that's happening around you, it really makes you step back and, and uh, put a little perspective in what your decision will be. Personally, I think it's probably the right decision. But you know we all this would this would have been his fourth year inside the program. He redshirted his first year, and I think he's built a lot of friendships on that team. And there were a lot of expectations for him, especially being the lead running back. Uh Oklahoma's gonna be without Ramon J. Stevenson, a senior uh, who was suspended for the first half of the season coming up. And then also Trey Thurman, the other starting uh, running back, or the other running back that had some starts, he uh, transferred to Ohio State. But Kennedy, this is going to be Kennedy's year. And I think that might have been the tough part. But once again, I think it's just one of those things you weigh your future versus what could happen this year. And I think you got to look out for yourself first. Well, thank you very much, Eric. Sounds good. Thanks, Tommy.
5: The countdown continues for Skill Football for MISD teams. They start fall workouts on September 7th. That's the date set aside for 5A and 6A schools. If things go as hoped, all Mansfield ISD teams will start their season September 24th through the 26th. Next Monday is the first day of team practice for kids playing in the Mansfield Pee Wee Football Association. Practices start at 6 to 8 p.m. on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays out at Clayton Chandler Park on North Walnut Creek. The threat of COVID-19 has prompted a few changes, Players, coaches, and volunteers will get temperature checks, and anyone with a temperature over 100 degrees will be asked to leave. And the Mansfield Activity Center's I-9 sports program is having Boys and Girls Basketball League starting September 9th. Want to see some competitive adult league softball? Big League Dreams is now open and will host the 14th annual Lone Star Classic, U.S.A. Men's C, D, and E teams, August 21st through 23rd. That's it for sports in Mansfield. If you have any sports news, let us know. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Tommy Cummings. It's time right
0: now for the Ask Terry Do-It-Yourself Home Improvement Feature. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist and
6: answers your questions about the place that you call home. Terry? Our question today comes from Steve, and he writes, I really like your feature, and your voice is really calming. As part of my backyard grill, I had a custom limestone table installed. It came in two pieces with about an inch of mortar running down the middle. After enduring 15 years of brutal Texas weather, the mortar is cracked, leaving a one-inch gap between the limestone pieces. How do I regrout the mortar without it falling through, as there's no way to get underneath it? Thanks for the question, Steve, and for the compliments. You have no idea how many ex-girlfriends I put to sleep with that voice over the years. Maybe that's why I'm single now. Yours is a timely topic, as you have a common problem that occurs on both horizontal and vertical surfaces, and more frequently when we get soil movement during dry spells in the summer. I'm glad you sent a photo to help me visualize what you're describing. The issue that Steve's having is really that because there's no access to the joint from below the stone, there's no way of knowing where the replacement mortar is going. You could just keep stuffing and stuffing the gap, wasting a lot of material and time. Back in the old days, we'd just pack the joint with wadded up rags or newspaper to just below the surface of the stone or concrete or brick, allowing for the bulkiness of the filler material we're using. If you're using a flexible caulk-like product on a narrow gap, you'd push the filler to about a quarter to three-eighths of an inch below the surface, because you don't need as much of that material to seal the gap. In Steve's case, it's a wider gap, so we're going to leave the stuffing a bit further below the surface, maybe three-quarters to one inch, so we can get enough product in the channel to do the job. The problem with rags and newspaper was that they'd rot out over time, leaving the filler material to fall back through and requiring the job to be done again. Today, the process is about the same, but the products we use are different. To do Steve's project, I'd use a product called Backer Rod, which is a flexible material shaped like a wooden dowel rod that's made of a closed-cell foam similar to a swimming pool noodle. It comes in diameter starting at 3 of an inch up to about an inch and a half. You can usually find it near the weather stripping products or the masonry repair products at your hardware store or home improvement retailer. You could also use the spray foam insulation that comes in an aerosol can, but that literally can create a sticky situation for a couple of reasons. One, you've got to make sure that the foam sticks to the side of the material at the joint or else it'll just fall down the hole. Secondly, and tied to the first, the foam swells up big time when it comes out of the can. It's very sticky in nature and is very difficult to clean off the material you're sealing and your hands. On limestone, it could leave a stain or bits of the foam stuck in the pores of the stone itself. That's a product I'm more likely to use on a vertical surface, as I did myself recently when filling a caulk joint alongside my garage door, which had widened due to the settling of the house. The joint was tapered in nature, so backer rod, which has a consistent diameter, wasn't a good solution. I allowed the foam to cure, cut the excess off with a utility knife, and cleaned up the residue with a wire brush. A regular application of caulk over the foam, and voila, the job was done, ready for paint. For Steve, an inexpensive roll of backer rod and some white brick mortar or sanded grout will be the answer. Thanks for the question, Steve, and thanks to those of you who've emailed questions as well. You've sent in some good ones already, and we'll get to those in the weeks ahead. For the rest of you, please keep the emails coming. There is no me without you. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin. If you have a home improvement question, you can send an email to
0: askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is askterry, T-E-R-R-Y, about mansfield.com Terry will tackle another home improvement question next week Friday is National spamoni day let's see if the weather's going to cooperate for a scoop of ice cream Alexa
1: in Mansfield for the next seven days Tuesday 97 degrees Fahrenheit and lots of sun Wednesday 95 degrees and partly sunny weather Thursday 94 degrees and lots of sun Friday 97 degrees and partly sunny weather Saturday. 98 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Sunday, 99 degrees and mostly sunny
7: weather. Monday,
1: 99 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Perfect weather to enjoy a scoop of Spumoni ice cream. The Tarrant Regional Water District states that your lawn could use a half inch of water from your sprinklers this week. After a very hot week, a late Sunday rain couldn't come at a better time. Many lawns still need help with sprinklers this week, while others may be good without. Be sure to check your soil moisture toward the end of the week and add a quarter inch if needed. To see a map of watering recommendations for North Texas, log on to waterisawesome.com.
0: That's a look at news and weather. If you have a news tip that you would like us to follow up on, send us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is news at aboutmansfield.
1: Just a reminder to follow this podcast so you will be automatically notified when a new episode is released. The easiest way is to log on to our website at aboutmansfield.com and enter your email address under the follow podcast by email heading on the homepage. And if you own an Amazon device, listening is as easy as saying, Alexa, play the About Mansfield podcast.
0: Coming up after the break, we will switch from news to talk, and we will talk in studio with Mansfield area musician Brad Thompson. Stay with us. I'm Steve Casio with Colleen Daniel and the entire news team, and this is About Mansfield.
5: It has literally carved the landscape of the planet itself. Yet beyond its beauty and its grace, it is essential to life itself. Water. It's awesome. Enjoy it. Just don't waste it. Visit waterisawesome.com.
0: Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take just a second here to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce our weekly episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities and can even help you market your podcast. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need the help from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located inside Mansfield's only co-working space, the studio is inside the beautiful confines of the office in Mansfield on Country Club Drive near Matlock at 1103 Alexis Court. For more information on starting your podcast, or looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Again, that is podcastmansfield.com. In
2: 1999, Mansfield Cares was founded to be the safety net for those in need in our great city. Mansfield Cares built the first free medical dental eye clinic and the warehouse that is home to the only food bank in Mansfield. Our city's seven food pantries, Feed the Kids program, Back to School Bash, and college scholarships have all benefited from Mansfield Cares. Become a part of Mansfield's Safety Net. Donate today at mansfieldcares.org. That's mansfieldcares.org.
0: Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casio, making the switch from news to talk. And in the studio today, he doesn't live in Mansfield, which most of my guests do, but he has some strong connections to Mansfield, as he is a musician who plays not only around Arlington and Fort Worth, but uh, I see him perform regularly at Market Street in Mansfield. He's also uh, done quite a bit downtown As well. In fact, the first time I saw Brad Thompson play was in a bridal shop. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Brad Thompson, welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you, Steve. Do you remember that gig inside the bridal shop you were playing on the runway? I was on the runway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was part of a... Part of a festival downtown called Hot Beats and Cold brews in in Mansfield. Okay. And you wound up in the back room of a bridal shop. You actually had to go through the store. You have all these displays of of uh, wedding dresses and prom dresses, and then you go into the back room, which is uh, an even larger room than than the office, or the the front part. and then they've they've got this runway, and it's like, that's Brad Thompson. They're on the runway. <laughs>
8: With
10: mirrors. Yes, with mirrors. Around us and giant expensive dresses everywhere.
0: Was that the most bizarre place you've ever performed a
10: gig? Uh, it's, I mean, it's one of them. There's, that's a long list, to be honest. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was know. cool. It was very intimate. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh yeah. I had a percussionist with me, too, I think. Yes, you did. And you ran sound for us.
0: Well, I... You provided sound. I I wasn't going to mention that, but you were playing through my sound system. Yes. Yes. That
10: was one of the first times that I played through the crazy bows, uh, the giant tower with the the subwoofer thing, the stick, and
0: uh, it worked, which I still use. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, it's wonderful. Where'd you grow up? Born and raised in Grand Prairie, Texas. So you're a North Texas boy. Yeah.
10: Never really left. Where'd you go to school? Then like high school or college? Let's go high school. Oh, let's go high school. I am a private school kid. Okay. So by high school, we went uh, in, uh, it was Oak Cliff, Texas. Yeah. And it was Bishop Dunn, the home of the Falcons. And you know that is a beautiful part of town to Kessler Park and all that
0: kind of stuff. I really love that. area. spent four years there after high school. You, I know you did some time. You said a, a short minute or so at UNT. <laughs> did it, some time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Predominantly, where is your your musical background, your, your musical education from? Honestly, a lot of.
10: My early musical experience was just tons of uh, private lessons. I always had uh, piano lessons and guitar lessons, you know, so so many teachers. The the Grand Prairie School of Music um, is where I spent the most time and I think more of my formative years. And I mean, that was there were so many teachers that came through there. I mean, I took classical lessons for a while from this guy who was brilliant. Hmm. And then uh, I would take uh, electric lessons from this other guy and just learn how to, you know, all the shred classic rock kind yeah. of stuff. So I was doing all that. And then eventually, by the time I was in high school, I started teaching up there. huh? And so I would get like all the beginner students, which is great for me and a really cool summer job. Yeah. Or even during the school year, I think. And then, so I would I would teach up there while continuing to take lessons from the you know the the much more like veteran in, uh, teachers. So I just spent a lot of time there. I loved it.
0: Was it back in high school that you decided that you were going to make music a career?
10: So I would say by freshman or maybe sophomore year, I was playing a lot. We had a band. It was made up of some dudes from Bishop Dunn. Uh, John Garza was our bass player, who is. A rocking, really cool guy. He's with the Tejas brothers yeah. now that play around town. They're amazing. So John Garza was playing bass. He was maybe a year or two older than me, and I learned a lot from him. He knew so much about music. And then Tim Nasky was our drummer. He was up at Nolan. So, yes, by sophomore year, playing in bands, talent shows, house parties, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Where Whoever will hire you. Uh-huh. That hasn't changed. And also... You know, doing the solo thing, too. I think I was trying both, which I both still love to this day. I I like the solo songwriter thing. Right. I like the larger band.
0: Which your band well. now is the Undulating Band.
10: Yeah. We created that in 92 with the, some different guys. Some of them still play with me today. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, um, but yeah, the the Undulating Band's... Uh,
0: of all the times that I've seen you, can I make a confession? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Father Brad, I have sinned. I, <laughs> I, I have, absolve you from all your sins. I have never seen the undulating band. Oh yeah, I, it's always been Brad Thompson solo, except for that gig where you had the percussionist. That yeah, I did, have which a, was it. which was actually the first time I've ever seen you perform. What are the differences between solo Brad and undulating band Brad? So I'm a full time musician,
10: sure. And so the the solo stuff. In my mind, satisfies this. I need to play a certain amount uh, to keep pull this off and make a living. And I've always considered the band because my bandmates they're in a million other projects, right? So they're fine. And uh, you know, they're not counting on me to book two hundred shows a year or something to you know make a living or whatever. So I've always kept the band maybe a little more. Precious, Mm -hmm. and so we would play the lot, sure here or the uh, the Levitt, the Levitt, right in Arlington, or uh, before the COVID thing struck, it it was a lot of private functions. This uh, the the we we we've done a lot of uh, like fundraiser stuff. You can get a line with all these different groups, either local or national groups, and uh, and so the the giant fundraisers are a lot of fun. We'll play at the like the Fort Worth Zoo has that thing called the reserve which is sure. amazing it's outdoors is super nice so and maybe like a corporate event or something I was going like to say that.
0: corporate conventions will will bring you in uh, and you wind up playing in a hotel ballroom or something like that Those are cool too I like and them. they pay well Yeah the the corporate gigs they usually just treat
10: you well all around Oh sure yep. I've I've found the corporate people that I've worked for like they're hiring music all the time so, it, when you talk to them, they already know the whole deal, like the the what it's going to entail production wise right. and all this stuff. There's no surprises. So that that part is super great. You know, they've already booked a hundred people or fifty people this year. So that that's always a lot of fun. You go in and there's no surprises. They're taking care of you. You're getting uh, fed, and all. so yeah, the right. the corporate stuff is. I I get it. Why it's so appealing? It's it's usually
0: done really well. You formed the band in 1992, the Undulating Band. Uh, Brad Thompson is our guest. Uh, did you ever take the band on tour? We did
10: in in our younger days. <laughs> in our younger days, tell me a story
0: from the road.
10: Okay, what what we would generally do. what our touring was from 1992 to about 1999 so about 7 years there this is before internet facebook computers cell phones all that stuff that would really be great to tour with right <laughs> so but when you don't know any better it's kind of like a black and white tv you're like this is awesome until someone shows you a color tv and you're like what so it's... so the the touring we would do i was just oh, just sitting at home mailing Stuff out, mm-hmm. like mailing cassette tapes and all this printed stuff and everything, and i'd find I'd find connections sort of hubs like on the west coast we knew a guy in San Francisco that could help us find clubs because i didn't know anything out there right, and he could pretty much run us through the west coast we'd start uh, as as far north as we'd go north of San Francisco like Chico and these kind of beautiful beautiful towns. Eureka, yeah, just these, and there'd be college towns or something, and he'd he'd run us. He he would pretty much give us the go ahead and refer us to his friend or whatever agent handled this area or whatever or city, and I would take it from there. Yeah. So we'd start a run at Northern California and take it all the way to Fresno, Santa Barbara, blah, 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 down to LA and finish in San Diego. Mm -hmm. I guess your hometown. My my hometown. And that was, San Diego was kind of, that was always like the last, we bought a van from a guy. It was- A a guy? Just a guy. Just a a guy. A a real nice guy. I think he was in (laughs) Weatherford or something. Okay. This is a Ford Econoline. Yeah. It was very old at the time. He had modified it to have a second gas tank, which is genius, man. So this thing, I don't know what those tanks were, but I think it could hold like 50 gallons total, like a lot. Yeah. And this is back when gas is like 97 cents or whatever. So we would fill that sucker up. We named the van Moby. Okay. It already had a trailer hitch on it. We owned a trailer. We now own a van. We've pumping gas in this sucker, and dude, we could run forever with that thing. And uh, uh, the inside had been kind of decked out too, nice. like it was more uh, captain's chairs, the swivel kind of thing, <laughs> and like the plush interior. You can picture this thing—just a big we will go forever van. Nothing would stop it. It was a band's van. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And
0: uh, did you did you guys sleep in it too? Or yeah. yeah. yeah okay all all the time because when you're a broke musician you you can't be sleeping in hotels and you know spending your band money from the night on a hotel are there any songs that you have written back in 92 93 back then that that you still perform today
10: yeah i try to i try to keep a lot of them around i'm proud of all my babies you know yeah 92 is the the first recording that we did it was actually 94 when it was finished yeah, I still play stuff from that
0: recording absolutely. So there aren't songs that you you have gotten tired of playing. That you you're actually pulling from the original catalog and 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 are you still writing songs today?
10: Yeah. Yeah. I had a little writing spurt last year. Got excited about making another recording. And so and then like uh, finished finished writing them in October and then started demoing them at the house, which was a lot of fun. Mm. And then in February this year, re- made another record. We're waiting for those CDs right now to come back.
0: Whether it's a cover or an original, what what's your favorite song to perform? One
10: of my most favorite songs to perform is one I wrote called uh, One Great Sound. I like it, it's it's a little more like a loose kind of creative song than, mm-hmm. than a, like a structured one. I do a little capo stunt where I capo the bottom four, yeah, drop D, and then throughout the song, I play on either side of the capo. Nice. Because since it's, the top two strings aren't covered, mm-hmm. I can do a little bass line and have the, the capo part just kind of fill out. And then I go on the other side of the capo and do some higher stuff during the sort of solo section.
0: So I do love playing that one. That's fun. And that's an old song. Here's Brad Thompson performing one great sound on About Mansfield.
10: Sing out now Sing out your one great sound How does it feel Right now smile, bring out, oh, if it's not worth the while, bring out the eggs in the shape of the sea, go
0: When you're doing your solo shows, you do a lot of covers. You also do some originals. You go back to the 60s. You'll do something contemporary. The one thing that really impressed me is you pulled a song from Hamilton. Oh, yeah. And how did you learn? I can't imagine pulling a song from Hamilton and doing doing it solo. It's amazing. What brought you to to do a song from Hamilton?
10: uh, So it was to impress my daughter. (laughs) She did a lot of theater when she was in high school. She was right at that sweet spot, like super in the theater right when Hamilton came out. She's seen it twice, once in New York and here in Dallas. Okay. So that was constantly playing in her house, you know, while she's getting ready or for school or getting ready for something. And so you just hear all this stuff. And so I was like, dang it, I'm going to commit at least part of my shot to memory and see if I could pull this thing off. Just see if I got what it takes, man. Because it's it's
0: work. Do you remember the the name of the song? It, it's been a while since I've seen you perform it. And now I'm fairly new to Hamilton. So, it, Oh, it's, it's it's my shot the,
10: from the kind of the beginning of the... Oh, at the beginning. Like, okay. Where they're around the table and it's like, I'm going to get a scholarship to King College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazing, astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains and no polish. It's really... But I stop after... Uh, just about a minute and a half. That's about all I can do. And then, you know, other characters come in anyway. Right, so.
0: right. Who are your heroes when it comes to uh, other recording artists?
10: I've always been in love with uh, Michael Hedges. Yeah. He's a California guy. Tragically, though, he, he passed away in a car wreck, I think, in 97. I saw him play a few times. Uh, well, he Just him and, like, a Martin D-28 that's, like, all tricked out with the uh, – these sun pickups or whatever and like all this stuff. And uh it was a friend of mine that that turned me on to him when I was still in high school, uh, Aerial Boundaries, mm. I think was like that live or live on the double planet or something. All right. So uh, but I I got into him really hard. And he does the like, you know, percussion stuff and weird tunings and a lot of two-part like hammer on stuff while tapping. Then he brings out the harp guitar, sure, and does all this stuff. But he's one of my big heroes. and he sings, yeah, he sings really great too, even though a lot of it's instrumental stuff.
0: Have you then adapted some of that? because I know you're very percussive with your guitar. My goal was I think his
10: his style just seeped into my brain after listening to it for so long. But I've never attempted to like <laughs> learn one of his songs. And I see a lot of people that that can. And do it really well, so yeah, I think it's just sort of subconsciously soaked in, and so I, th- I think percussively and little rhythmicy, like pull offs and yep. stuff, and he does the
0: harmonics and all that. So it's it's in there. How have you been uh, keeping in touch with your followers, your fans during during COVID? Because can't really go out and play anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I still perform.
10: And several folks have hired me for like little house concert party things. They're very small. Typically they're outside and just it's not a whole lot of people. And I've I've done a few of those. I've been called on to serenade people, uh, which has been kind of beautiful. This is when... uh, Uh, Maybe families are separated because of someone's high risk and the other person is like in the medical field or something. Um, So I've had folks like that who are trying to respect the social distancing. And I've gone and played uh, in front of their house or in their backyard or from the street to their, uh, you know, their second story apartment. That is cool. Yeah, I've I've done quite a bit of that. And uh, which is kind
0: of, which is really sweet. When the code, COVID first started, you did a couple of videos online, <laughs> a couple of Facebook videos. Number one was was how to cook a steak on your green egg. And I thought, okay, you know, this is awesome. He's, he's, because so many musicians were out there doing their, including myself, I did 11 weeks in a row doing, yeah. doing my... My living room concert. Actually playing music. Actually playing music. <laughs> and, but you are keeping your face out there by showing people how to, how to grill a steak in addition to how to put acrylic on your fingernails.
10: That was the first one. That was the first one. Yeah. Which is a, a complicated process, <laughs> but <laughs> one that you turned me on to. You, you helped me refine. That I, you were your next level on that. I
0: stole that from you. Let's get back to your live performances. What's the largest crowd you've ever performed in front of? Millions. Millions. <laughs> no, you saw Live Aid, right? Yeah, you were there
10: in the audience. <laughs> yeah, I wish. The largest crowd, if we're going to go way back, the largest crowd was when we used to play Starplex. Sure. Uh, luckily, we had a connection there, and so we would play, I guess, several times. Sold time. out, I
0: think it's like 14,000.
10: So th- there's a lot of that. Like Horde Festival was there. This okay. is like in 98 or something. But then more recently, the the larger crowds have been uh, when the Levitt mm-hmm. uh, Pavilion asks us to play. And this would be their uh, July 3rd. They 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 time it with the Arlington, City of Arlington's uh, July 4th uh, deal, which is always on July 3rd. Right, the, the fireworks and... The fireworks and, and everything. That. So, uh, you know, that's not all our crowd. We're just lucky enough to be the band they picked <laughs> to do that, which I appreciate and I fully understand. But we've done that, I think, three, three years in a row. Okay. Once as the opening group... And then we we became headliner.
0: Do you still get nervous before a gig?
10: Yeah. So this is what I thought about just recently. I have a friend that's a pilot. And my pilot friend is suggesting or saying that, generally speaking, all pilots are, are afraid of heights. Mm. And that's kind of what draws you to being a pilot. There is always going to be some sort of adrenaline. Whether you're flying commercially or little planes or whatever, and it led me to conclude. I think performers, I, I'm willing to guess most performers have
0: a fear of uh, mm-hmm. the, the stage fright. A lot of a lot of performers are introverts. Yeah, and they get into that to get out of their shell. Yeah, and then the show's over and they get back in their shell. And here's
10: what I suppose, like, or propose. I, I think when other people that aren't performers say, man, I'd never do that. I'm scared of being on stage. I don't think they're as scared as we are. Like, we're more scared. Like, you have no idea. And until you're that more scared, you got to be that more scared to love it. But I, I, I'm I just throwing it out there. I bet we're all, we all have a, a, a level of stage fright that's pretty high. And so I do, too. And I don't care for it really. It's it's scary. Oh yeah, that's in front of of a small crowd at the bridal shop for that thing, <laughs> or the Levitt with six thousand people. It's it's all going to be uh, scary to me on some level, and I love that. What's next for Brad Thompson? Immediately, yeah, would be to eat because I haven't eaten today. <laughs> And I can, I can give you a, there's a power bar right outside there. Oh yeah. man, I want to do that. But okay, right. so what's next for me? What really? is next?
0: Because I know you, you said you recorded a CD, but it's not done. So I yeah. would assume that's coming out. And but. I feel silly to say a CD's coming out. It
10: kind of sounds like, what old man? <laughs> what are you going to do with that? But so that that should be done. It's, it's, in the, it's being manufactured right now. We're also making uh, vinyl. Nice. Of this thing to sound even older. Because but it's, but it's making a comeback. It's retro cool. Yeah. But the CDs and all that should be done. I'm thinking we're like a month or two away to actually release this. We haven't picked that date yet, but very soon. And then the new challenge here is how on earth to promote and sell a CD in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. There's no record stores anymore. Well, there are, but they're cool, and there's like, you know, a handful. Um, and no one's really performing live yet. So a really funky time to try to release something.
0: Uh, so that's that'll be the new challenge for the fall and the winter. Isn't that why that that's that's why movies are being delayed in in release because of the covid that that nobody's going to movie theaters so why release them and, and now and, it's, they're
10: and being released on like apple tv and stuff yeah. the greyhound movie and all that stuff you know
0: so wild. would you say then that it's it's your your live performances is what's selling your cd's as opposed to record stores and font. i would have said that back in february <laughs> <laughs> i
10: don't know what i'm going to do now my my idea is maybe to make uh, videos for them, which I would have never even tried to make a video before. Yeah, but I can kind of do it
0: now. Do you want to give a shout out to your church because I, I see you every Sunday on oh, sure. on Facebook, and I I know that, that your mega rock stars are playing Saturday nights, and they're not going to church, but uh, you're greatly involved with your church, at least from what I've seen on Facebook and the 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 amount of music that you're you're putting in. Are and, and number one, are you the music director of your church? And you're shaking your head, yes. And so, give a shout out to your church and and honestly, it's the only gig that that stayed uh,
10: consistent this whole time. Yeah, it hasn't been canceled, and that's we haven't met in person since mid April. So uh, that's that. They're kind of keeping me employed. Nice. Where everything else is getting rescheduled or completely canceled. So they're keeping me employed as as part-time and uh, uh they're also keeping me creative. Mm-hmm. So I'm very uh I'm very pre- grateful for that. So the service is called uh the 1111 downtown uh service which we don't meet downtown right now, but we were it's at the we were meeting at the uh the you know, the old YWCA building. It's called the historic 512 now. Yeah. Um uh they, they have like a this third floor, it's like a ballroom for like weddings and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we were meeting there. But the the service is part of the larger church, which is First United Methodist downtown Fort Worth. Okay. So that that's where it all comes from.
0: Do you have any shout outs that you'd like to give um who who's deserving of a shout out?
10: Oh, Besides your wife? My wife and family. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, I, I need to say hi to them. I told them I was going to make up a crazy story why how I got hurt today on the bike, like make me really look like a glorious biker. Saving a baby from a burning building or... Yeah, it was going to be like fighting a bear. Oh, okay. Or something, yeah. you know, because we're in Fort Worth. Yeah. <laughs> So shout out. That's right. That's uh, So shout out to my wife, Lisa, who's uh, been solid through this whole thing. And uh, our three boys, they all went riding today. It was Lincoln, Jake, and Case. We all get our cool bicycles. And then my daughter, like I said, Hannah, who's up at uh, North Texas right now, doing the school thing and working at Uncle Julio's. So there
0: you go. What's your favorite ice cream? My favorite ice? Yes. What's your favorite ice cream?
10: <laughs> okay. <laughs> My, my favorite flavor is uh, buttered pecan.
0: It's a Texas thing, okay. I, I think. We just like pecans. If so. someone wanted to find Brad Thompson, whether to book you for a gig, hallelujah, or just see you online, where can they find you? I think uh,
10: bradthompson.com. Yeah. It's still the best stop. It'll send you to Facebook. It'll give you my email. It'll send you to Spotify if you just want to listen. Yeah, so it's it's a good hub for everything.
0: All right. Yeah. BradThompson.com. Yeah. It's time for the lightning round. Okay. Okay. Whatever comes to mind, that's the answer. Okay. Great. All right. You ready? Okay. Sunrise or sunset. Ooh, Sunrise Mac or PC? Uh, Mac Mini golf or real golf? (laughs) Totally mini golf (laughs) Never real golf Paper or plastic? Oh, plastic Solitaire or poker? Ooh, poker, yes Horror films or comedies? Comedy L.A. or New York? Ooh, New York always Mountain or beach? Ooh, mountain Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars, baby Favorite ice cream? butter pecan <laughs> brad thompson bradthompson.com that's b-r-a-d-t-h-o-m-p-s-o-n bradthompson.com it has been a delight you are actually one of my local heroes I've never, I've never told you that and I'm not going to get all gushy on you <laughs> appreciate you being on about Mansfield thank you Steve the lightning round was a lot of fun there you go we'll be right back
3: Due to COVID-19, the record amount of unemployment and loss of health benefits to Mansfield area residents has been staggering. I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center. There's never been a more critical time for the Mission Center to offer essential services. During the pandemic, the Mission Center has assisted hundreds of Mansfield area families with financial assistance, employment help, food, and or medical care. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance, Mansfield Mission Center is here for you. For more details, visit our website 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 at mainsfieldmission.org. That's Mainsfieldmission.org.
1: Congratulations to Janet Valdez, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What year was the railroad trestle near North Street built? According to the Visit Mansfield website, the railroad trestle near North Street in Mansfield was built in 1885 and refurbished in 1906. Janet has won a $25 gift card to Jake's Burgers and Beer.
0: It is time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Will receive a twenty-five dollar gift card to Jake's Burgers and Beer, a true Texas tradition of burgers and beer since nineteen eighty-five. Located on Broad Street next door to Newsom Stadium, you can find them on the internet at jakesburgersandbeer dot com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen.
1: Well, Steve, we don't have to go very far back in time for this week's question. The Mansfield ISD Center for the Performing Arts is a multi-purpose facility which includes a 5,500-seat performance hall, a large banquet area, and three computer labs. This week's question is, what year did the Mansfield ISD Center for the Performing Arts open? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what year did the Mansfield ISD Center for the Performing Arts open? Good luck, and thanks to Brad and Kendra at Jake's for the gift card.
0: Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it's our usual array of news, talk, and information, including an in-studio interview with Mansfield entrepreneur Michelle Gooch. The show will be released on Wednesday, August 26th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast, if you haven't already so you never miss an episode it's free and it's easy just enter your email address on our website aboutmansfield.com we will never send you any spam we promise about mansfield is recorded at podcast mansfield recording studio anchors steve casillo and colleen daniel reporters stacy main dennis webb and robbie terry home improvement feature terry radswin sports tommy cummings Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering for his final time, Robbie Terry. Have a great time at UNT. Thanks for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casio, and this is About Mansfield.